So test before we begin. We're in week three, and we as a leadership uh, team, elders and deacons, put together a phrase that kind of summarizes who we are as a community and our mission and our goal, and I need you to tell me, otherwise I must sit down and be rebuked. All right, what is that statement? Six words. Anyone? Okay. I'm underwhelmed at this point. Underwhelmed. Help people. Thank you very much, Roaster of the Pigs. Help people. He did a pig roast and put it on Instagram. It was glorious. Help people experience life. He did. I'm sorry. It's a fact. Help people experience life in Jesus. That is who we are as a church. So two weeks ago, it was about helping people. How do you help people? It means that we see what's going on and that we stop. And whatever we have is available for God to use to assist the people that he sends us to. And we said two weeks ago, everything you need to help people, you already have. God's already given it to you. So like the story of the Good Samaritan, he already had a horse, already had oil, already had money. And God led him to a person who was broken and he stopped and he saw the need and he did something about it. We want to be like that. And then last week, it was about experiencing life. And it's Jesus talking to this woman at the well. And you remember last week we were saying that in order to be used by God, you need to be willing to be interrupted. God's movement in our life is often unplanned and inconvenient. And if you want to be used, just remember, you can't put it in your calendar on the time that you think is available. God owns your calendar. He leads your life. And when he presents need, it's our responsibility to respond to those interruptions and say, Lord, I'm available Use me. And in order to do that, we need to be wise. So Jesus wisely talks to the woman, and we need that kind of wisdom. And in order to gain that wisdom, we need each other. If you missed the last two weeks, I did it all in like three minutes. It took me 40 minutes each week, but there's the summary. But uh, this week, we want to finish that phrase by talking about what it means to help people experience life in Jesus. What does that, what's the in Jesus? Because again, we said it's not about just making the world a better place, not a bad goal, lots of organizations, but as a church, we focus that help, we focus that need, but helping them get life that is in Jesus. Uh, before we read the entire Gospel of John, it'll take 39 minutes if I don't go too slow. Um, no, we're not gonna read the whole Gospel. We'll just read two thirds of it. Um, we're gonna read, so just go to John chapter one. We're gonna read that. But I am asking you to pray. Uh, tomorrow, I get on a, a plane, surprise, and go to Timisoara, Romania. And for more than a year, pastors and leaders have been praying about an outreach in their city. And I went a month ago to do a leaders conference and to kind of ignite the Christians. And now we're going. And starting Wednesday through Sunday, I think it's between 14 and 16 different evangelistic events. Not big stadiums, but we have targeted like meal events for various people, for railroad workers. There's a ton of them in Timisoara. And we want to help them experience life in Jesus. We have a breakfast for journalists. None of them are believers. And I'm the invited guest to talk about where does faith in Jesus fit in the media-saturated world that we live in. We've got things for stay-at-home moms, for retired people, for students. We have all sorts of people in Timisoara who know people who don't know Jesus and we're gathering them around like similar like-kinded people and I'm the guest at all and we've invited a guest to come speak and how do I help people who are underpaid railroad workers experience life in Jesus? I have absolutely no idea. What do I have to do with railroads? I fly, okay? I don't do Amtrak or trains. 
But that's why I need you to pray because when we think about this whole helping people, sometimes we think, what am I supposed to do? Well, let me just remind you. I'm going to Timishwara, right? But there are 30 plus churches that have been praying. There are thousands of believers that are praying and inviting their friends to these outreach events. I've got a friend in the UK, John, who's organizing it. And he's doing all the heavy lifting and the work. I got another friend, Daniel, who's a Romanian, who grew up in the States, who's back as a missionary in Romania, and he's my translator. And many of you who are financially supporting doing this outreach this week. There is no such thing as I'm going to preach the gospel. It's an oxymoron. We are going to preach the gospel. So what happens at Timmy Schreier this week as you pray, you are a part of it. Helping people experience life in Jesus is always a team effort. Sharing the gospel is all about team. And, and various people have functions. John's an administrator. He's organizing. Daniel knows the language. He's communicating. People are giving. People are praying. People are inviting. Who's the most important person in this work in Timishrara? Jesus. But Jesus always uses a team. Aha! That's my segue, by the way. John, chapter one. I said the word segue. Scratch that from the podcast. How lame is that? All right, John chapter one, verse 32. What we're gonna do is we're actually gonna summarize John's gospel. We're not gonna hit one text. We're gonna look at many this morning. And then we wanna see what that means about the in Jesus part. Uh, John 1, uh, 32. John the Baptist gives this testimony. Here's John the Baptist who comes before Jesus. Here's his story. I, and this is why he's preaching. I saw the Holy Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, Jesus. I myself did not know Jesus, even though they were related. But he didn't know who he was. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I see and testify that this is God's chosen one. Here's what I want to see. We're, gonna, we're just going to glance through these chapters in John. When I said that what happens in Timishrara this week is about what everyone does, that's exactly what John wants us to know in the gospel. So John the Baptist is the one pointing. How are people going to know who Jesus is? John the Baptist has raised up the greatest prophet, according to Jesus, that ever lived, is going to introduce Jesus as Messiah. And what does John say that he saw? He says, I heard from the Father, go preach. And the Father told me, the one on whom you see my Holy Spirit come on like a dove, that is the God's chosen one. So this is very interesting. The very beginning of the good news sharing is about a team. And, and the team here is God. Now, I'm not saying that there's three different gods. There is one God expressed in three distinct but totally interconnected Persons. There's God the Father who tells John the Baptist to go. There's God the Son, Jesus who comes. There's God the Holy Spirit who empowers him. So, complicated but important phrase. God the Father sends the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we think about how we're going to help people experience life, this is how it's going to happen. God the Father is at work sending the Son in the power of the Spirit. Yes, God is one, but we see even in God, 
that there are various unique roles to be played. So the son dies, not the father. The spirit empowers the son. The spirit raises the son from the dead. Jesus goes to the father and sends the spirit. So this is complex. I don't get this totally. But God has revealed himself in relationship. And so one God is doing this great work. God is saving and he's doing it in various parts. Now, what does that have to do with you? That's not my point. That's a couple of pages later. All right, let's just keep reading. Verse 35, John 1, 35. Uh, Next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, John the Baptist. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, we want to know where you're staying. Come, he replied, and you will see. And so, so two start to follow him. And then Andrew's one of them. Andrew gets his brother, Simon. So Andrew and Simon is going to be called Peter. Start following Jesus. Jump down to verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave. This is with Peter and Andrew and this other disciple. Finding Philip, he said, come. What did he say? Follow me. So God reveals himself, Father, Son, and Spirit working together. And then immediately Jesus, immediately, according to John, Jesus gets followers and he chooses them by name. Now, because we read from John chapter four last week, jump to John chapter five. Again, we're just... We're skimming, but I want you to see what John the gospel writer is getting at. If you and I are going to help people experience life, and this life is in Jesus, what is the Jesus life? So John chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 16. So Jesus is now healing people. He's doing miracle work. There's a guy who's been, who's, who's been lame for 38 years and God touches him and heals him on the Sabbath day. Verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things, these miracles, on the Sabbath, the holy day, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him, which is kind of ridiculous. 38 years this guy is stuck. He gets healed, and the Jewish leaders decide, we need to get rid of this Jesus. He's doing too much good on the wrong day. She's like, lame. But verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to him, Look at Jesus' defense. You've got to see this. My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. At the beginning, God, the Father, says to John the Baptist, I'm sending my spirit on my son. That's the one. And now Jesus, he responds after doing this miracle work. Jesus did not say, I have all power, and look what I did I could beat you. No, Jesus simply says in response to their hating him, he says, my father is working. Implication. I'm only doing what my father, my father loves this man. And my father sent me to this man. I'm doing my father's work. And so because the father's work, I'm working too. Now, you think they would get it for this reason, verse 18. They tried all the more to kill him. Okay, why? Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. 19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Stop. This is crazy talk. Jesus says, even though he is God, 
The Son cannot do this. The Son cannot do. Now Jesus, the Son, is fully God. But he is saying, I need my Father. So he says, the Son cannot do anything by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. This is huge. When we think about helping people experience life in Jesus, what I want us to get, we're gonna see it in a couple more passages, is that, that what Jesus is doing is not his own work. It is something that God the Father has been doing and he's been sent on a mission. So Jesus picks up on the mission of the Father and he just does whatever he sees. I can't heal him, the Father can heal him. And so the Son can do it because the Father can do it. The Father and the Son and the Spirit, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And you see it all throughout the Gospels and I don't want you to miss that. Now, one more before we do one more. That would make it two more. That was a tip. John 6. Stay with me. John 6, 10. So uh, now another occasion. Jesus is now feeding people. He has a few loaves and a few fish and thousands of people. He's like, no problem. I am better than a food cart. I can multiply. I can totally do this. I beat any Portland, Portland food cart. Which, by the way, if you want to know of some of the best food carts, I stumbled onto them. I have found potatoes that are to die for. And there is, no lie, there is a, um, a PB&J food cart on Hawthorne that will change your entire world. Anyway, that's a tip. Throwing it out there. So verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, convenient. And they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks. He gave thanks to who? The Father. Father, thank you for the loaves. Father, you're going to do something here. And then he distributed to those who seated as much as they wanted. So they're hungry and they eat. He did the same with the fish. Verse 12, and when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So once again, repetitive pattern. There's Jesus doing the will of the Father. And he brings, okay, five and two. Father, I give you thanks. I know everyone can eat. And then he distributes, and then he grabs the disciples. And here's the tip. He says to the disciples, all right, you gather. You get them in groups, and, and you, you can be a part of the work. So let me just recap so far. All of this is so talked about here. None of this is new, but some of you may be new. So we'll throw it up in sequential order. Uno, dos y tres. How'd I do, Jim? Okay. Not bad, not bad. In Spanish, as in English. Number one, write it down. Jesus is sent by the Father and the power of the Spirit. So that, I could go through every chapter in the Gospel of John. I'm not going to do it this morning. Every chapter says the same thing. Jesus sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit. Secondly, Jesus calls disciples by name. So early on, it's Andrew and Simon and Philip and others. And then we see throughout John, and the closer it gets to the end, the more they're involved, Jesus involves his disciples in his mission. Uh, Jesus involves his disciples in his mission. So, so Jesus sent by the Father in the power of the Spirit. 
He calls, the first thing he does is call disciples and then, he, and then he starts to use them more and more. All of that was background to the one thing I want to look at and uh, before we do something special. Once a year, we do something special here in our gathering. We break it up a little bit and we invite you to connect with people right here in the gathering, people you may not be connected with and make some friendships and start some conversations that can change your life. How's that for a sales pitch? And we're going to do that at the end of our gathering. But before we do that, we are about to do what we're about to do in light of John 20. So a few more pages. Jesus has died. He's risen. Uh, John 20 and verse 19. I want, in light of Jesus sent by the Father and the power of the Spirit, Jesus calling disciples and Jesus using disciples, all of that pattern was a setup for the end when Jesus was about to go back to his father. So he's already risen and the disciples don't know what to do. John 20, 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. It's a bad day. Jesus has died. The disciples are pegged as Jesus people. They know the authorities are gonna go after them. They lock the door. They are scared to death. Jesus came and stood among them. <laughs> At this point, I'm freaked out. Right? Jesus died. And then Jesus appears. This would frighten and relieve you. And Jesus says, peace be with you. It's written in Greek, but I got to think that Jesus is saying it in Hebrew or Aramaic, or Aramaic, and he's bringing it back to the beginning, this whole idea of shalom, wholeness. Your world is falling apart. They're scared to death. But there is this Jewish idiom of God's presence that changes things, shalom. It's not just peace like, oh, I had a decent day. But it's everything that's out of order put back in order. And Jesus says to them, peace I leave with you. Peace be with you. Guys, don't worry. Now, after this, he showed him his hands and sighed, evidence that he was alive. The disciples were overjoyed. Woo, Jesus is back when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, because some of them didn't get it yet, peace be with you. Guys, don't be stressed out. I know the authorities want to kill you. Oh, by the way, they're going to continue to want to kill you. But don't worry, I'm with you. As the Father, and here's, here's the, the line, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So John 1, John the Baptist is told by the Father, the one on whom I give my spirit, that is the Holy One of God. Father sends the Son by the power of the Spirit. And now at the end of John, John says, hey, disciples, because he's writing to the church. Disciples, those of you here in Hillsborough who follow Jesus, those of you who say, sunset, that's my family. That's where I get connected. That's where I do life. As the Father has sent Jesus, so now Jesus is sending you. Now that is a scary thought. That's why Jesus says twice before he sends them, peace, I leave with you. So when you think about helping people, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Okay. Helping people experience life. Well, I, I don't, what, 
life. I'm trying to figure out who Jesus is. I sin like quite often, or I'm not very gifted. I'm not a musician. I don't wear skinny jeans. I don't roll them up. I, I, got, I got nothing, man. I, I don't even do food card. I don't even know what a food card is. And PB&J with jalapeno and bacon, throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of you are like, I'm going now. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so you say, I, I can't do that. That is where the in Jesus comes in. We're here to help people experience life in Jesus. But as the Father has sent Jesus and given him the Spirit, look at the end line. He says, I am sending you. Then verse 23. And with that, that same commission, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and my friends, what it means to help people experience life in Jesus it means that, in a sense, nothing's changed. Jesus is the one who gives life because life is in Jesus. Jesus is life. And wherever Jesus is, there is life. And so I don't have to get stressed out about what I'm supposed to do. I don't have to get freaked out. I don't have to have a guilt trip. I don't have to feel pressure. What I need to do is receive the life of God, which is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, I breathe on you. I give you metaphor at the beginning, Genesis one and two, when, when man is created, Jesus breathed on Adam, the first man, the breath of life. And in the same way, in John, he breathes on his disciples the breath of life. That is, the very life of God is now in the disciples. And so you and I can say with confidence, yes, we can help people and they can experience life, not because we're going to like, hey, I got life, PB&J and bacon and jalapenos, life. No, I've got Jesus and what I have to share is life-giving because the words I'm about to share are the words of Jesus and he has life. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And when you and I receive the Holy Spirit, we have life and we have life, we can do this. So disciples together, they're together at the beginning of the mission of Jesus. He calls them by name. They're together at the end of the mission of Jesus on the earth. And then Jesus sends them out together. So what does it mean for you and I to help people experience life in Jesus, it's, gonna, it's a team effort. Like in Timmy Schreier this week, it's a team effort. It's not about what you can do to help people experience life. It's about what Jesus is already doing and what Jesus has deposited in you right now. And when you take that deposit, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, and you combine that with other people who have the same spirit, but uniquely different gifts and perspectives, you combine all of that together and people will be changed this year because when everyone does their part by the power of the Holy Spirit, things happen. So you and I have the life of Jesus. Now, you do not have to have experience. Some people say, well, well you know what? I need to hang out a little bit, you know, take, take a class. I, I need... If you receive Jesus Christ this morning, you just say, you know what? I own up to my junk. I own up to my sin. I'm, I've been rebellious against God, but I believe that Jesus loves me enough that he gave himself, his son, to die for my sin. He died in my place on the tree and then he rose again to give me life now and life that lasts forever. I want that life. From the moment you receive that life, you can help people experience life. What you, you just need life. And if you have the life of God, 
you can help people experience life. So it's no experience necessary. We say, well, I don't get it right all the time. Here, here's a trick. No one's perfect. Just breathe, okay? You're, you're not God's gift to the human race. I know it. You know it. Your wife definitely knows it. And we're not. All of us stumble and fall. God uses broken people. That's why if you read the Bible carefully, you realize that even David, man after God's own heart, sleeps with someone else's wife and has him killed. Even the best man, even Moses, who gets the law of God, does not trust God and strikes the rock. And because of that, is a whole ripple effect of his life missing out on all that God had for him. So even Moses, every man and woman of God in the Bible is flawed. Every single one of them. And I think that's a healthy thing. That makes me feel much better about myself because I'm in that camp. So you don't need experience and you don't need to be perfect to be useful because you're never going to get... Now, grow in grace. Don't be foolish on purpose. But, but as you grow, you can be used by God. And this is, this is so liberating. You do not need public speaking gifts or musical talent. I think that we get this idea that if I can make it to the stage or, or whatever, you know, in your thing, if I can get to that point and lead something, then I'm useful. Absolutely not. You know who the heroes right now? The people not in this room. I hate to deflate you. Right now, there are men and women, and there are young and old, who are volunteering, serving, to say, I love parents enough that I'm going to give them a break. And I'm going to wipe a nose, and I'm going to change a diaper, and I'm going to say, come on, it's going to be fun. I don't want to. Come on, it's awesome. There are people right now who are saying, I love the family enough that I'm going to serve. And, and you see how this works? Everyone who has the life of God just throwing it in the pot, so to speak, and saying, here I am, I want to be used. And so what's, so what's needed? Well, the qualifier is Father sends the Son by the Spirit, so they work together. And then Jesus sends the disciples and gives them, not Peter the Spirit, every one of them the Spirit. So, so what we need to do is figure out how to work together. That's what we need. And if we can get past my own human tendency to try to do it myself or to isolate myself or to disconnect myself from you, I can be useful. What it's going to take this morning is you and I willing uh, to believe that we actually need one another. So follow Jesus. Here's my bottom line. Follow Jesus and find your place in the family. That's how complicated it is to help people experience life in Jesus. So Jesus has a life, but his life is given to us. So follow him and then find your place. Now, what's your place? For every one of us, it's totally different and it changes over time. When, when you're single, you have opportunities that you no longer have when you're married. When you're married, you have new opportunities that you didn't have when you're single. When your kids are young, you have nothing. You got no money, you got no time, you have no margin. So we pray for you. But you know what? 
That's when you need people. You need, you need people in your world when you're single. You need people in your world when you're married. You need people in your world when you have kids. And then, you know, when the kids grow up and they never call and they never come home anymore and they, only when they need money, they, other than that, they, you know, when, when that season life happens, by that time, you have so many scars. You have, you have so much hurt. You have so much good. You can actually pour into people who are trying to figure out how to do life, right? So at every stage of your life, you are useful to God. At every stage of your life, you can help people experience life in Jesus. Here's when it ends, when you die. Then you can't help people experience anything. But you get to experience life with Jesus. Wow. Until then, every single one of you has something to give. So as a community, what we want to do is, how are we going to help people do this here? We want to do it together. Now, it doesn't mean, hear me, it doesn't mean that when you think of telling people about Jesus or helping people encounter Jesus, it doesn't mean that we're always together. So if I'm at a coffee shop and I bump into someone and say, hey, and we start chatting, I don't say like, like hold it. Oh, hey, Jim, Jim, yeah, I'm, I'm over at Insomnia. What, what you doing? You, you get over here. I think I want to tell this guy about Jesus, but I need you here. No, that's like, Dumb. But it does mean that I could call Jim and say, hey, pray for me at any moment. So together doesn't mean we're always together. It doesn't mean we always do things together because life is not that simple. Life's complex. But I never want to be in a position where it's me and Jesus and no other followers. So we want to help you get connected. In response to this, what we, we did this last year, and it was just one of the best gatherings we ever, ever had. And we decided, you know what? Every fall, we need to do this. Some of you have been hearing about these missional communities that are in the church, but you've gone to one, it didn't work out. I get that. That's life. Uh, you thought about going, you thought about going, it just, you never got to it. That, that's okay. No guilt trips here. What we want to do is, is challenge you this year and the next 12 months, commit to other people in this church. That's what I'm asking you to do. Follow Jesus, as it, as it says. <laughs> oh, Perry. See, Perry's got more power than I do. Follow Jesus and find your place in the family. Get, give, it, give it a few people. Um, so we have all, there's pieces of paper. If you are 18 or under, you can read the font. If not, you need your glasses. Come on. So, and in a, in a little bit, not yet, we're going to have our missional communities, those who are involved, they're going to be there for, for you just to say hello. Part of our gathering is going to be, you're going to get up and just meet some other people. I'm asking every one of you, if you call this your church this year, to try with 110% to get connected in some sort of group. Now, if there's not a group here that fits, then get two or three other people and start it. And we've got... Uh, people in place to help you get started. And this isn't hard and it's not stressful. Yes, it has ups and downs and it's not perfect. But if we'll put ourselves in a position to be with other people, God, I think, will exponentially increase your ability to help people. That's why that video is so important. One person didn't paint it. A whole group of people had the opportunity. And so I, I encourage you, today, commit. I'm asking you to commit for one year. I think part of the challenge, if I could be honest, is we said, just join a group. And some of you are like, 
do I have to be in a group like for the next 30 years? Like, this is weird. <laughs> what I'm saying is give it one year. And at the end of next summer, you just evaluate. And we'll do this again next September. And you just pray and say, Holy Spirit, I was a part of this. Is that what you want? And you just re-up if you're like, yeah, this is, this is right. Or if not, there'll be other groups formed in the next year that you didn't know about. Maybe God will shift you uh, to another group. You may move. Your stage of life may change. Uh, stuff happens. We get that. This year, commit yourself to Jesus and some group of people, and I think you'll see your opportunities increase.